Now, brothers and sisters, um, I want to continue in the message that we're walking together through in this particular episode, Mark chapter 7, in our series through the Gospel of Mark, Jesus, the Son of God, suffering servant and savior of sinners. Here we are in Mark chapter 7, verses 14 to 23. And we're in the third part of verses 14 to 23. This episode that is titled, From the Inside Out, Not the Outside In. Remembering what Jesus said and about this in Mark chapter 7. What I want to do, let me read verses 14 to 23 for us again uh, and then take us to where we are at this point in the episode today. Verse 14 of Mark chapter 7, again Jesus called the crowd to himself and said, listen to me everyone and understand this, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this, uh, this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and out of the body. Parenthetically, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Pause there, everyone. Jesus mentions here 12 evil deeds that originate from evil thoughts. Now remember that this is revolutionary for his hearers because their focus throughout all of their worldview and in everything that they'd ever been taught, <clears throat> excuse me, focused on, well, the deeds, not what precedes the deed. Everything focused on the deeds, what you did or what you did not do or what have you. Jesus comes and says, no, that's not where the problem starts. <laughs> that's not where the problem starts. The law deals with, well, where the problem is visible and actual, etc. But that's not where the Lord begins. The Lord begins in the place before the actions are even committed. In other words, Jesus gets to the core of the human problem. He gets to the core 
of the things that challenge us, that try us, and that, well, can cause us to self-destruct. He gets to the core of the things that cause the self-defeating behavior patterns that we can get into. He gets to the core of why we sin and what is wrong with us, and for that matter, what is wrong with the world on the issue of our deeds. It's not what is on the outside of a person that defiles them. It's what's on the inside of a person that defiles them. So here he gives 12, just 12. This is a representative example, if you will. It's not a comprehensive list that covers every evil deed that could be done. I think we all know that. That should be assumed. But it is a very good representative list. And by the way, this isn't the only list of vices that we find in the Bible. We find various lists of vices in Scripture. And perhaps, if not today, uh, in the next Sunday or the near future, we can talk about some of those other lists. But today... These are 12 evil deeds that originate from evil thoughts. And evil thoughts originate from, originated from the original sin of our first parents, Adam and Eve, according to Genesis chapter 3. In fact, Adam's and Eve's sin had so corrupted the human race that Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. Genesis 6 5. And every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now this is what the word of God, the scripture says, in evaluating the human condition by the time we get to Genesis chapter 6 in human history. From Genesis chapter 3, whenever that was, that is to say, whenever it happened in human history, from Genesis chapter 3 to Genesis chapter 6, we have the biblical story of sin and death that keeps replicating from one generation to the next from the first generation of our first parents, Adam and Eve, all the way down to you get to Noah in Genesis chapter 6. And the biblical uh, evaluation there is that sin only makes people get worse, not better. Well, why? Because of the corruption that was brought into the human race initially by the disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve. That corruption was so thorough and so deep that it did not only involve the doing things that were disobedient toward God. When they did what they did in disobedience to God, speaking of Adam and Eve, it changed everything within them. So what they did, in other words, what you could see, 
Eve partaking of the forbidden fruit, giving it to Adam, and Adam for taking, partaking of the forbidden fruit as well, what you, what you could see was not the only things affected. Everything was affected. What you could not see, what we cannot see, deep on the inside was profoundly affected. Adam and Eve were changed in every wrong way when they disobeyed God. And their sin would lead to their death. And so then would it lead to, ev to the death of every other human being who would be born from them. By the way, th this is the biblical and theological perspective out of which Jesus is saying what he's saying in Mark chapter 7. And this is important for us to understand today because in our time, um, there are many people, most people don't understand these things. In our culture in particular, most people don't understand these things. As a matter of fact, not only in our culture, there are too many people in the church who don't understand what I just got through saying. They may know of Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis, but to too many people in the church, in our churches, they're just stories, actually. If you just want to tell the truth about it, just be flat out honest. As we see Jesus has been in dealing with the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders, as well as his disciples, he's just been flat out honest with them. He's always honest with them because he's the Lord. He can't be anything other than honest. God cannot lie. Okay, so Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 tells us that the condition of human depravity had become so deep that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now I'm reading it from the New American Standard Version because uh, the NASB is a very literal translation and this translation describes here in graphic detail the human predicament, the human condition. And this still explains the human condition to this day. <laughs> now, what I like to say about people, you know, you, you may have heard this debate, you know, that can happen sometimes, uh, you know, when people start talking about are people basically good, you know, are people good, basically good, are they basically bad, or, you know, that kind of thing. I don't really fall into that trap because the truth is humans are basically sinful, okay? <laughs> humans are basically sinful. And because of our sin nature, we, that we were born and conceived with going back to Adam, in other words, Adam made us all sinners. And Adam gave us all a sin nature, okay? Romans chapter 5, by one man sin entered the world and death through sin, so that death fell upon all men because all sinned. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. Well, um, Adam's sin 
corrupted us so profoundly. And by the time we get here to Genesis 6, 5, people are, well, even in Genesis 3, people have become basically sinful. Now, as basically sinful creatures, we can do good and bad. Remember the issue when God first spoke to Adam about this? When he commanded Adam not to eat of the tree in the middle of the garden, what was it known as? It was known as the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, we can be good and bad. Often at the same time, we can do good things with the wrong motives. Have a good outcome from the good things that we do, still have the wrong motives for doing it. We do good and bad. That's what's so complex and complicated about the human condition in sin. This is what Adam brought upon us by his disobedience. You see. So when Jesus talks about evil thoughts here, he's talking about how every intent of the thoughts of the hearts of depraved humanity it can be only evil continually, it seems. So human nature was forever changed by the disobedience of Adam and Eve. Adam's sin plunged human nature into a worsening spiral of evil inclination and depravity. Listen, we all know this, we all experience it. You can have a good thought in one moment and an evil thought in the next. And listen, God is eternally wise in how he created us. You know what? There are some thoughts that don't ever need to be said. <laughs> There isn't a human being alive that wouldn't agree with what I just said unless they're crazy. Unless they're, unless they're mentally ill. I don't want to know every thought that comes across your mind. <laughs> you don't want to know every thought that comes across mine. By the way, the issue here too is what we do with our thoughts on the inside before we act. You know, by the way, speaking of the issue of thoughts, that you and I do, for those of us who are saved, okay, that you and I do have the grace of God and therefore the ability to reject our evil thoughts. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to accept it. Just because you had the thought doesn't mean that you have to do it. And just because you have the thought doesn't mean you're not saved if you are genuinely saved. And it doesn't mean that you have to, that, 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 you, are, that you are under the control of those thoughts. What you do, what you and I do with our thoughts at any given time and in any given moment matters to God and it matters to us also. Yeah. So see, by God's grace, you and I not only have the ability 
um, to, to control our actions, but we also have the ability to control our thoughts. And we have the ability to reject those thoughts that are wrong, that are evil, that are displeasing to God. And to accept those thoughts that are pleasing to God. And God also gives us the grace of the wisdom to know the difference if we read the Bible, if we read scripture, if we pay attention to God's word like we're doing today, you see. See, this is important spiritual medicine for all of us, brothers and sisters, especially in a day and age when technology is designed to influence us and influence our minds. Listen, that's all Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and, and all of the other technologies of the day are really all about. At the end of the day, they're all about influence. Now, of course, as we know, they're all about influence, you know, driven by advertising dollars in order to make money, okay? But, you know, forget the advertising dollars and the money making for the moment. That's, they're about influencing you and me. People get on to Twitter and, and <laughs> I told y'all, I, I canceled my Twitter for every reason you could imagine. I don't like any of it. <laughs> I don't like its owner. <laughs> I don't like any of it. Didn't like it before. You know, he just gave me a reason to cut it off. And you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of this. It reminded me that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that I don't have to allow my mind, my ears and my eyes to become a garbage can for somebody else's bad ideas. And you know, you've heard, you've heard Pastor, you've heard me talk about people's opinions <laughs> through the years. You know, the almighty, we, in this culture, we worship the almighty opinion because everybody wants attention. And these technologies have given everybody an opportunity to get attention. And the more outlandish and stupid and foolish and sinful and whatever else you want to call it, this whole list that the Lord Jesus mentions right here in Mark chapter 7, the more that, the more attention you get because people are drawn to depravity and they're drawn to depravity and sin because of the sinfulness of our nature. The sinfulness of human nature, I'm trying to say. Well, listen. In today's world, in today's culture, everything is about the influencing of the mind. That's how they get to your pocketbook. It's about influence. And you and I have, by God's grace, the blessing and the ability to decide what and who we allow to influence us. And in addition to that, whatever thoughts we allow to influence us. So the next time you have an evil thought, and you realize it, you know it's an evil thought, what do you do with it? <laughs> Say to yourself, I reject that. Lord Jesus, I reject that. You know, evil thoughts are like 
Well, Ephesians chapter 6. <laughs> Remember, we've been there, church. We've been through Ephesians chapter 6, of course, as you know, and, and, and uh, the spiritual war, the armor necessary. So, so um, <clears throat> the fiery, evil thoughts are like fiery darts from the devil. You can be riding down the, the, the roadway somewhere, and all of a sudden, pew, into your mind comes a fiery dart from the devil in the form of an evil thought. <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> Well, we're in the middle of a, of a spiritual war from the moment that we have been saved. We are, God has taken ownership of us. And we've always been in the middle of a spiritual war, by the way, from the moment we've been born, from the moment we were conceived even. Um, the devil is trying, and the devil is a real and malevolent spiritual being trying to destroy us and trying to do it from the inside out. Uh, so so we, we've been in a spiritual war all of our existence. We just didn't know it until the Lord saved us. Now that we are saved and owned by the Lord and servants of the Lord, the Lord gives us everything that we need in order to be victorious because he was victorious on the cross of Calvary in the empty tomb. Victorious even over evil thoughts. Lord, I reject that. Oh, God, that's so ugly. Give me grace. Give me the wisdom to replace it with something that pleases you. I don't want it. I don't know. I don't want that. I don't want to think that way. That's evil. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm just giving some examples here of the realities that we all live with. But here's what you need to understand. What you eat, to use a different word, what you and I consume, okay, is what can have the greatest influence on us. So in that sense, we, there's a word of wisdom and warning for all of us. We have to be careful. We have to be careful what we consume. Because if you consume a whole bunch of evil, you're going to think a whole lot, or you'll have a whole lot of evil thoughts <laughs> traversing your mind that you have to battle against. Now, there's a, there's, listen, there's so much evil in the world and so much sin in the world. We see it all the time. We, I, I'm not, you can't go close yourself off. I'm not telling you to do that. No, no, just the opposite. Confront it in your own soul with the word of God, with the grace of God, knowing that God has given you by his grace, by his word, uh, and by the work of the spirit and the weapons of our warfare, the spiritual weapons, God has given everything that we need to overcome evil thoughts. Well, let me move on, brothers and sisters. I just, we just need some spiritual medicine, ministry, and, and spiritual surgery when it comes to these things, especially in, in this day and age considering where we are at this place and point in history with this pandemic and how it has misaffected the minds of millions, if not billions of people the world over. I mean, our young people, I mean, if you've seen the news in the past few days, you know, the news about teen girls and all of the struggles that they are having within 
But that comes on the that comes on the heels of young men, which comes on the heels of older people. Everybody's struggling. Everybody's trying to keep from going crazy at this point in the pandemic that still exists, although we feel and we hope we're in something of the, the waning days of it. And we don't even know that. All of this we inherited from Adam. But what we do with evil thoughts is what matters to God. Though our sin nature which produces evil thoughts began in Adam, each person is responsible for our thoughts. And remember this, bad thoughts do not have to control our minds. For the genuine Christian evil thoughts cannot control us unless we allow our evil thoughts to take control. We can reject evil thoughts even when they come to our mind, as I've already said. I need to say it again for it to sink in. You know, how many times does an ad say something over and over again in different ways in order to make it sink in? How much more should we do this with the word of God? God has given us spiritual weapons and tools which empower us to overcome evil thoughts. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5, 2 Corinthians 10. As a matter of fact, turn to it if you would, if you have your Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. As you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, you know, I just have to say and I just have to acknowledge and give praise to God for his grace and for his goodness. You know, every time I'm writing and preparing uh, one of these sermons, there, there comes a point when the Lord tells me, the Lord gently tells me, okay, you can stop now. You can stop. And I think to, the first thought that comes to mind is, but Lord, I got to... I, I, I got to keep going, I got to keep going. And the Lord reminds me, no, no, you can stop because if you keep going, y'all will be there till three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Just hold on, they, people can't handle that. Not yet anyway. <laughs> in 2 Corinthians 10, four through five, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Talking about the weapons that God has given us, the weapons we fight with. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish, pay attention, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Stop right there. Now, I don't know whether you quite understand just yet how deep, profound, and powerful these words from the word of God, these words are. 
okay? They not only acknowledge that we are in the midst of a spiritual war, not a physical war, but a spiritual war, but that the weapons that God has given us have divine power to demolish strongholds. In other words, those places where the devil has a stranglehold on our thinking, where Satan has a stronghold in our minds and therefore in our lives. The weapons that we have been given have divine power to demolish them within us. Demolish what? Arguments. And every pretension. Arguments? Okay, let me help you with this a little bit if I could for just a moment, but for the sake of time, I have to move quickly. Forgive me for that. Okay, ideas. Ideas. Arguments. Ideas. Bad ideas. Wrong ideas, evil ideas. Jesus calls them evil thoughts in Mark 7. Stuff you've been taught, whether at home, in your family, in your school classroom, in your college classroom, or on the streets, uh, on, in, the, in, in the rough and tumble of stuff you have learned that's wrong. Stuff you've been taught that's got your mind thinking wrongly. And you don't even know it. Why? Because it's been such a part of you for so long that you just think it's normal you. This is the way I think. This is who I am. In Christ... Are you serious? This is how you are in, 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 listen, in your sinfulness, this is how you are? And you call yourself a Christian? Wait a minute, hold on. No, this is not how you are in Christ. This is how you were in the world before Christ. Now that you are in Christ, guess what? There's more good news than you first realized. You don't have to think the way you used to think before you were saved. In fact, God saved you in order to change, or as Romans chapter 12 tells us, transform you by the renewing of your mind. In other words, God saved us in order to change the way we think. In order to transform the way we think. The problem with too many of us is that we still keep thinking in the same old unconverted patterns of behavior that we did before we were saved. Because for one thing, nobody teaches us about it very often. And secondly, we don't listen. <laughs> we don't listen well. Especially in this day and age. We just don't listen well. Uh, and so, we demolish ideas and ideals that God calls evil. We demolish arguments. Hmm. 
arguments against the existence of God. I mean, some people have been struggling ever since they, you know, learned in somebody's college classroom somewhere, you know, about arguments against the existence of God, about atheism and all of these other ideas that are supposedly intended to liberate people from the shackles and the chains of religion. And you've been tussling with that, that sin, that sinful garbage in the back of your mind ever since you first heard about it, since you first learned it, whether in a college classroom or someplace else. And so then, you know, when you get down, stuff gets tough, the going gets rough, trials pile up on you, one thing happens after another, and then you start wondering about the existence of God. See, we did, God has given us spiritual weapons to demolish those strongholds, you see. Arguments, ideas, and ideals that are not of God. We demolish arguments and every pretension. For example, the pretension that mankind is the master of his own fate. Mankind ain't the master of nothing but sin. <laughs> That's what we became the master of when Adam disobeyed God. We're good at sinning until the Lord saves us from our sins. And we recognize that we don't have to be controlled any longer by the sin nature. That the sin nature, when the Lord saved us, based on Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus dealt the ultimate death blow to sin and to our sin nature. That old nature, that old nature that tries to rear its ugly head within me, Paul talks about it in Romans, you know, chapters uh, 6 and 7. An old sin nature that tries to rear its ugly head up, you know, regularly from, you know, is dying. Have you ever heard the saying, a dying mule kicks the hardest? Well, the dying sin nature within you and me is kicking hard. It kicks hard. And then when you couple that on that struggle on the inside with all of the influences coming at you from the outside, what do we need? The weapons of God's warfare to demolish strongholds, the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. That's what I was talking about earlier. You, you don't have to be controlled by bad, sinful, misguided, self-defeating, self-deteriorating thoughts that come into your mind. You don't have to be influenced by them. You don't have to be overcome by them if you're a Christian. You don't have to be. But you need to realize it. <laughs> That's why God has me teaching it and preaching it to us. By the way, in too much church culture in this era of human history, you know, I don't know, preaching is, I guess, I guess it's the, you know, 
It, it's the height of the performance of the service. I'm not up here performing for you. This is about preaching. This isn't about performance. This is about the preaching of the word of God. The only thing that's going to transform you and, and, and conform you and me to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ is the faithful preaching of God's word, not anything else. There's too much performance, it seems to me, these days. And as a result, then, people never grow. Well, but they keep coming. As long as the preacher keeps performing. Weapons here should be understood as spiritual tools for overcoming evil thoughts and evil ways of thinking. The sinful, false, and self-defeating ideas. God provides the spiritual tools we need to fend off thoughts that defile our souls and influence sinful deeds. So let us not be overcome with evil thoughts, but let us overcome evil thoughts with the word of God and the spiritual weapons provided in his word, the Holy Bible. See, this is why you got, keep telling you, brothers and sisters, you got to, you got to consume the word. You, you and I, we've got to read the word of God regularly to feed our souls with the food that is needed to strengthen us because listen if you leave yourself empty and void something else will fill it in a minute something else on the internet something else in technology something else from the television something else from the media will fill the void in a moment listen what you, the food your soul needs is the food that God has faithfully provided in this wilderness. This is the manna that we need. The word of God. Evil deeds begin with evil thoughts. Jesus' catalog of sins consists here of six vices in the plural and then another six vices in the singular. The first six vices in the plural are these. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, and malice. Seven of these vices come directly from the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. They come out of Exodus chapter 20. Jesus is referring here. Jesus is not pulling this out of the air. He's pulling it from the teaching of Scripture. According to Jesus, first on the list, sexual immorality comes from evil thoughts. The Greek word for sexual immorality here, also known by the way as fornication, <laughs> that's an old word. That's an old word church folk know, but the rest of the world don't know nothing about. If you haven't read the King James Version, then you may not have seen the word fornication. But when you hear the word fornication, even if you don't know it, you hadn't heard it, it don't sound good. <laughs> because it ain't good, okay? The Greek word for sexual immorality, also known as fornication, refers to all sinful sexual acts or any sexual acts outside of monogamous heterosexual marriage. 
Is that clear? The only biblically appropriate sexual activity is within the context of marriage between one man and one woman. Is that clear? Jesus considers every other form of sexual activity outside of marriage to be immoral. Now, you know, it'll get me booed out of the stadium. <laughs> Saying this today. Get me kicked off the committee. Run out of office. <laughs> and canceled. I can't worry about that. We rather fear God than men. Men die every day. We're watching them die. Who are they to be afraid of? Remember what Jesus said about this. Do not fear him who can only harm the body and, you know, put, do, what, do whatever they do to you. You need to fear him who, after you're dead, can throw you into hell. Mm. Sexual immorality would come under the category of the seventh commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, which says, you shall not commit adultery. The world we live in today has a very different view. But we follow Jesus because God does not change. By the way, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. By the way, if you're going to read the rest of that verse, he said, therefore you are not destroyed. Meaning you better repent while you can. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. God is perfect and has no need of change in himself. This is why we hold to these truths from the word of God, even though we live in a world that seems to be changing all the time. So what the word of God says, what we teach, preach, and believe is not popular. In today's America, not anymore. And you know what? Listen, by the way, I got to tell you this, church, because God gives us wisdom. We need some wisdom on this. I am not about to lift one finger to fight with the world over it. I ain't interested in holding no political office with power to try to force people in the world to what I believe. That's not salvation. That's not the gospel. All God has told us to do is to tell them the gospel, the good news, the word of God, what the Bible says. And let God do the work of wrestling with their soul. Because you and I have not been given permission, nor have we been given the power to change anybody's mind. 
Ultimately, only Jesus can do that. Only God can do it. And when we try to put ourselves in positions of power in an attempt to change people's minds, here's what we wind up creating. At its very best, we create a clean moral culture of people, all of whom will die and still go to the same hell that all the immoral people go to. <laughs> it's true. Because if you're going to make people, try to make people conform to your way of thinking and what you believe, that's not salvation. That doesn't save them. It just makes you feel good about your arrogant self. When you need to take a good, listen. You know, when I'm dealing with somebody who disagrees or who doesn't want to hear what I have to say or doesn't want to deal, whoever it is, in whatever the situation. You know, I've gotten old enough that when I was younger, you know, I was, I was probably a little more fiery about it. But, but you know, uh, with age, by God's grace, wisdom comes, listen, I'm not going to fight and argue with you. I can't change your mind. you got to change your mind. God can help you change your mind. All I can do is share with you the truth that I've been taught and that I know. I ain't going to fight with you for control of your mind. I don't want control of your mind. It's all I can do to keep my mind under control. <laughs> I got enough with my mind. You, your mind needs to be under the control of Jesus like mine does. Not under my control. That's, that's insanity in and of itself. Because if I control people's minds, just as soon as I fumble, stumble, and fail, guess what happens? They fall apart? No, I'm nobody's savior. I am no one's savior. Only Jesus. So God has not told us to try to make the world conform to some 1950s version of Christianity in America. God has told us to preach the gospel give people the gospel and love people with the gospel here in the 21st century, whoever they are, wherever they are, however they identify themselves, whatever, I don't care. Why? Because God so loved the world. And it's an unconditional love. So listen, we love people even though we may not agree. But just because I don't agree doesn't mean I'm going to try to make them change to my term, no, 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 no. This is about God's terms. It's about God's word, not about you and me. Now, yes, my, you know, as as um, as the scripture says about Lot when he was in Sodom, how tormented that man's soul was. Yeah, my soul is tormented by what I see also. But what you and I see is the result of Adam's sin. <laughs> and human sinfulness, which just cries out for God's grace and God's mercy. Not our arrogance and hubris and judgment. God, the Lord Jesus has already made the judgment. The Lord's already made the judgment. Matter of fact, right here, when Jesus uses the term evil thoughts, he's already made the judgment. 
I didn't call it evil. He called it evil. Well, what he says stands. It's settled. All I've got to do and all you're supposed to do is just tell people so they hear. What they do with it is going to be between them and God. And what we do with them is we pray for them and love them by God's grace in the hopes that they will come to repentance and faith. That's all we've been called to do. Now, let me move on for the sake of time, brothers and sisters, because I'm just about done for the day. But listen, um, <clears throat> let's look at what the Bible says elsewhere about sexual immorality in one example. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. Turn your Bibles there if you would. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning at verse 18. Here's what he says. Here's what the scripture says. Flee sexual immorality. <laughs> That's pretty clear. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Hmm. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 to 20. There's more said there, but time won't permit me to get into it today. But you see what the scripture says to us about this? To Christians, to Christian believers, you see. Flee sexual immorality. We sin against our own bodies. Why? Because when we were saved, God the Holy Spirit took up residence within us so that we ourselves are a temple if you will, of the presence of God within us. And sexual immorality defiles the temple of our body where the Lord, where God the Holy Spirit has taken eternal residence. That, listen, whoever you are, wherever you are, Christian, whether in person or online, that's why you feel so bad when you do something that's sexually immoral because you are defiling and violating the very Holy Spirit who lives within you, who has, been, who, who has come within you to make you holy, not unholy. That's why the conviction of the Holy Spirit is so heavy upon us, if we engage ourselves in any form of sexual immorality. Yeah, that's, that's why we feel guilty. We should. <laughs> because it's wrong. Wrong before God and wrong against our own bodies. It's true. By the way, this is what the scripture writes over in 1 first, in first Thessalonians as well where the scripture says there, I told you to abstain from sexual immorality and that each and every one of you, everybody should learn to control his or her own body. 
not like the heathen in passionate lust who do not know God. Because, listen, over sexual immorality, God will punish men for all such sins, as we have already told you and warned you. Now, we live today in an American culture that is upside down, saturated in sexual immorality. Everywhere. And you know what? It's all okay in today's culture. All of it. As twisted as it is. But we as Christians know better. That's why the scripture says, therefore, honor God with your bodies. Sexual immorality, to Jesus' point here, begins in the heart with evil thoughts. It's true. Sexual immorality begins in the heart with evil thoughts. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm out of time today. God is, is always faithful. Faithful in his word and faithful to his word and faithful through his word to us. But let us take with us Jesus deals with the heart of the matter. Not just the hands. He deals with the heart that directs the hands. The issue goes all the way back to the heart. To the intentions. By the way, in the world, the world knows something of this. In any murder trial, like what we've seen recently, what does the court have to try to do? People are trying to establish what the intent was in order to determine what kind of charges are to be filed. What did you intend to do? What was in your mind? What was, well, in Christian language, what was in your heart? <laughs> what were you intending to do? What were the thoughts and intentions behind your actions? See, the world does understand this. But the world does not want to apply it when it comes to God and to the gospel and to the issue of sexual immorality and all of the other vices that Jesus lists here for us. <clears throat> so, Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. And because God goes to the heart of the matter, that's where we, all, that's where we ought to be also at the level of the heart. In other words, that each and every one of us ought to take a good look in the mirror at what's in our hearts. What's in your attitude, that's part of your heart. <laughs> your heart. Not the physical organ, as we know, but the spiritual attitude and reality that we call the heart that Jesus calls the heart. Think in terms of the heart of the matter, brothers and sisters, and let us live our, our lives in such a way to do what David the psalmist said in his prayer. Created me, O God, a clean heart, and renew within me the right spirit. Psalm 51, let us pray. 
Oh, Father, thank you for speaking to us and confronting us deep within our hearts. Make us come clean before you. Lord, make us see what you see when you look at our hearts, when you look at our attitudes, when you look into our souls with the searchlight of your word. Help us to see what you see and then help us not, not, not simply to stop there by seeing what you see, but help us then to look back up to you. Help us to fix the eyes of our hearts on you so that we do not despair, but that we look to you, O oh God, <clears throat> to do what only you can do through the power of your word and the work of your Holy Spirit, and that is transform us by the renewing of our minds. Continue to transform, conform, and shape the inside of us into the image of our Savior Jesus Christ so that we become more and more like him from deep within our hearts and that we live it and show it in our hands, in our feet, in our walk with you, day by day. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray, amen. <laughs>